Backstories is an annual multi-sided storytelling festival located in the suburbs of Perth and beyond. Produced by the team at Centre for Stories, Backstories gives community members the chance to spend an afternoon with friends and family in the comfort of a neighbour's backyard and enjoy hearing local music and stories from trained storytellers. Backstories was possible with generous support from our sponsors, Lottery West, the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries, and the Centre for Stories Founders Circle. This is a live recording of our Backstories event located in the suburb of South Fremantle. Recorded on the 13th of March 2021, this afternoon featured live music from Lee Schneider and emceeing from Johan Devezi. The story you're about to hear is from Ron. So about two weeks into June, I'm sitting up on Belia Drive and I've just pulled over and my hands are locked on the steering wheel at about 10 and 2. And in my rear vision mirror, the blue and red lights are flashing behind me. And to have an understanding of why it is that I'm gripping that steering wheel so tightly, maybe the best thing to do is to wind back to what happened in late May. What happened to George Floyd and how Minneapolis boiled over and people tipped into the notion of what it was that was wrong about those kinds of things. And that seemed like a whole other world away. But in that place, at that time when it boiled over, people were far more outraged about the notion of what it was that was wrong in all of that over and over and over again that they actually found something to distract themselves, I guess, in the most horrible ways from the pandemic. And that was this great big outward show. It just rolled over the world as others joined in and Black Lives Matter bits and pieces flashed about and then others argued about, well, you know, all lives matter. And it turned into a whole other debate. At that time, I was pulling apart one of the few things that I'm especially well known for especially in Fremantle and probably close most of Perth, and that was my shirts. <laughs> Anyone here who does know me knows me and my shirts. And I happen to have a rather large collection of dashiki shirts of all colours and kinds. And about May I started to pull them apart and tear them into strips. And I made the silly mistake of posting it up on the social media on Facebook and suddenly I was bombarded with these calls and messages going, Ron, are you okay? Oh my God, what's happening? What are you doing? Are you, you, you right? Do you need me to come around? And I had, had to go back and quickly edit my post and say, I'm decommissioning old shirts, folks. It's okay, I'm fine. <laughs> the thing about those shirts, they're bright, they're colourful, and they're what people see first. And I've spent my entire life wearing something that hides me from others. I spent 10 years in the military. I played soldier games for four years and sailor games for six years after that. And I discovered the immense power in being able to hide inside of something that you put on that's issued to you and makes you look like something else. I learned how to disappear in plain sight at a very, very young age. I learned in a racist town that I grew up in that if I could just 
stand out in the open and look like anything else, then I just wouldn't be seen. And that skill followed me all the way through until I left the military in 1997. And suddenly I stepped out and I was in civilians and I was just an Aboriginal man all over again. I tipped into this world of youth work to try and help young fellows who were working on the streets and struggling with their lives. And at the time, the education department insisted that I should wear a button-up shirt and a tie and drive around in a government car. I don't know if you've ever done this job and turned up to houses where people don't generally welcome those kinds of visitors, but doors don't open, curtains don't move, and people don't say hello in nice, friendly voices. I knew it wasn't going to work. I'm a bluffer kid. I grew up in those places. I know what it looks like when someone turns up on your door like that. And that week, I went back home and I pulled out my old collection of dashiki shirts that I'd collected over my years in the Navy and I put them on, whacked on a pair of shorts, stomped around in my blunnies and I turned up in my ute at these houses in Quinana, Medina, Willoughby and I banged on doors and more often than not, people opened that door and went, who are you, mate? <laughs> and I realised that the skill to hide who I am hadn't really gone away. And those shirts followed me for years. And they would become a skin that I would wear as I hid who I was from others. Bless you again. Nothing like a cat that cleans up after itself. <laughs> so when the business with George Floyd kicked off, I was pulling those shirts apart. You see, the year before I'd actually had my first solo exhibition and I'd actually spent a lot of time talking about the uniform and the skins that I hid in and how I could hide in plain sight. Until one of uh, my art friends and colleagues turned around and said to me, so... Tell me, Ron, who are you without your skins on? And I realised that I actually had no idea. I'd spent probably 50 years of my life hiding myself from others so that I kept them happy and me safe. And here I was, hearing about George Floyd, as I was putting together an artwork that I was making that was out of those strips of shirts. Now, I don't know if anyone else has put on a military uniform here, especially an army one, but if you have, you may have seen what was called a ghillie suit or a camouflage suit. And they're, suit, they're a suit that you wear over the top of whatever you're wearing and it's got threads hanging off it in all kinds of directions and the idea is that it's meant to break up your silhouette and your shape so that you can blend into the environment you might be laying in. And I had this idea that given that I'd been doing this with these shirts, you know, for over 20 years of my life, I would take those shirts, strip them into, into strips and tie them onto a, a meshing, uh, netting and make a ghillie suit, a camouflage suit out of all the different shirts that I'd worn throughout the course of my life up until that point. That had been my camouflage and then I would hang it out and put it over there so I could be me over here. 
that meant that I tipped right into myself. Without taking any of my clothes off, I made myself rather naked. It's a scary thought, that. I don't know whether 2020 and COVID gave you the opportunity to really stop and look inside yourselves, but it certainly did that for me. And I wasn't quite sure that I liked what I saw, and I decided to do something about it. It woke up memories in me. You see, the problem is, at 19 years of age in Geraldton, six plainclothes policemen surrounded the car that I was in with my 14-year-old brother and my 17-year-old brother at the time. And they dragged us out of that car and forced us on the ground. And we had to lay there while they decided what they were going to do about us. Now, if this is something that happened in the general course of an actual police, in a police business, you'd probably be okay with that if that was going on, be the case. But actually, we just pulled up outside of a bottle shop and so had they. And instead of going in to get, they were going in to get, they surrounded our car and dragged us out. When I moved to see the identification of one of those policemen, the six policemen moved and their nightsticks came out from behind their back where they'd been hiding them as they got ready to flog us on the ground. In this country, there are a group of people who know what that feels like to be targeted and looked at in that particular way. And I'm sitting behind the steering wheel of my car as a young bloke taps on my windscreen and I'm starting to wind it down and I'm sweating buckets and I'm scared shitless. And I look at him, scared, stupid, that what I'm going to do is turn and look into the face of an older white man. I need to see a young Vietnamese face looking back. And just that alone was enough to break the tension as I sort of relaxed a little bit. And he said, yeah, uh, g'day, sir, do you realise that your car is out of Rego? And I didn't. It's my father's car. He'd gift it to me when he passed away. And I said as much. And he went, all oh, right, look, I'll be right back. Just sit straight and sit, sit well and we'll, we'll sort this out for you. And he went back to the paddy wagon behind me and I was trying to relax. I, I was. And then he came back again and asked me to get out of the car. And I struggled to open the door. I struggled so much that the young bloke had to ask me, are you all right? Sir, you okay? And I said, I'm just, I'm getting out. I just, I'm just a bit surprised. I'm a bit in shock. I'm, I'm sorry. And, and with that, he turned around and called out to the, the person who was sitting in the car and a senior constable stepped out and she tucked her long blonde hair into a hat and she came out and she took one look at me and she read the situation perfectly. And she just said, don't worry about it. You sit there. Your car's out of rego. You need to take it home. Next week you need to go and see uh, the uh, rego mob and sort that out. But can anyone pick up your car for you? And I said no. And she just didn't even bat an eyelid. She stopped, opened up her notebook, literally wrote out a card that said, I, Sergeant, old Senior Constable so-and-so, give you permission to drive your car to your house. And if anyone gives you any trouble, tell them to give me a call on this number. And she wrote her mobile number down on the card and she handed it to me. And in a moment, she made my fears go away. I still have that card in my wallet. <laughs> you get caught sometimes thinking 
that everything stays the same and nothing will change. And sometimes, just sometimes, those things do. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Centre for Stories is a not-for-profit organisation with charitable status. Our team is small and nimble and we love what we do. To help us continue doing what we love, consider a small donation. You can donate at centreforstories.com.